on a mission to explore the far reaches of cinema. Three daring adventurers dive deep into the Criterion and beyond. These are the tales of their adventures. This is Cinenauts! Hey, this is Ian. I'm Boom. This is Catcher. And welcome to Synonauts Exploring the Criterion. Boom and I are really excited about this episode. It's, oh, it's my so first stoked. Criterion Ooh. Edition episode. Uh, if you're yes. new to the show, this is where we choose a film that's not in the Criterion Collection or the Criterion Channel and discuss its merits to whether or not we think <laughs> it should be added. Yeah. Last week, following the Boom hype train that has been storming social media and the podcast <laughs> world for the last few weeks... I wanted to discuss Baz Luhrmann's Moulin Rouge. So we'll discuss that in just a little bit, much to maybe Catcher's chagrin. Uh, Catcher, without going into too much detail, how are you feeling about this episode? I'm I'm very excited to have a conversation with you guys about Moulin Mm -hmm. Rouge. Okay, so basically what I wrote down here is, this is the episode where we decide if Moulin Rouge goes in the criterion and if Catcher stays on Synonauts. That's my vibe going into... That's my vibe going into tonight. So we'll see how <laughs> okay. this goes. I do have some like really positive things to say. Yeah. So there's okay. not. Okay, we'll listen, just that. take yeah. a deep breath and repeat after me. Camp <laughs> is a valid art form. Okay. Okay. Camp is a valid art form. Okay. There we go. Okay. We got this. We got this. <laughs> this would have been helpful 24 hours ago. That, that would have been that would have been great. Okay, but we'll I'm save excited. it. We'll save it for the show. Save it for the main discussion. That's right. Come on. Um, I'm very excited. Yeah. But let's so drag I. us so out are a the bit people. more. Yes, I know do. that people are excited. Yeah, I think we got some good social media interaction yeah. uh, this, this week, which we'll read a little bit later. Um, but let's let's catch up. What did y'all do this week? What did I do this week? I haven't really. I didn't really. Get, do much watching. Um, I watched Inside Lewin Davis last night uh, for mm. the first time ever. And that was mm-hmm. a beautiful, well, I mean, a beautiful and dark film. Um, mm-hmm. I kind of had this idea in my head that I wouldn't like it, which is why I never watched it. Like I saw the poster and, and what it was about and kind of just avoided it. Uh, and it was actually Sophie who suggested we watch it. Mm-hmm. And I really loved it. It was it was very solid, um, like just this like really interesting kind of like humor scattered throughout it. Uh, the music was stunning. You know, you, you know, I love a musical. So mm-hmm. and then I listened to the, and, I mean, Oscar Isaac. Come on now. I know what a what a babe. Also, he eats Cheetos with uh, chopsticks and so do I. So <laughs> I think we're meant to be together. Um, but yeah, no, it was good. And, and I listened to the Doom Pod app about it today and they mm. kind of like helped me unpack it a little which was nice um yeah and then last night I watched um I finally did Judas and the Black Messiah mm. did How you have you did you do it yet Ian I haven't that's like okay. the only like nominated film I probably need to watch before yeah Oscars, but I did so I watched like Malcolm I guess I decided to like double down because like I I did the Mal- Malcolm X viewing Mm-hmm. Um, and then I guess I was like, okay, let's do, <laughs> let's do this, you know? <laughs> um, and so I finally did it cause I felt like I was in, in the headspace to do so. It's a, it's a hard watch. Like I, I won't beat around the bush. Yeah. It was very emotional. I was like very, I was weeping through most of it. Um, but it's incredible. 
it, it's it's really really well done. I think uh, Shaka King does a good job of kind of painting, you know, a really good picture of what was going on in its entirety and and showing everything for what it was, especially because, you know, people obviously like the police went through great lengths to try to cover this up. So like a lot of the information about it is scattered. Um, like Heath, my Leo brother, did such Dang. a good job as Bill O'Neill that I couldn't, I was just thinking about it. Like after the film, I'm like, obviously Daniel Kaluuya like killed it. Um, but I just couldn't stop thinking about Lakeith because it's such that character, like that person existed. And that must've been such a hard, like challenging role for him to play. And mm. I think he just did it with so much care and attention. It was incredible. Uh, it was really good. I, I definitely think people should watch it. Obviously make sure you have the spoons to do so because it's, it is gut-wrenching, but yeah, cinematography, sets, um, costumes, all amazing. So, yeah. Nice. Uh, and uh, Golden Globe winner, Daniel Kaluuya. Oh, I also cried when he... His role. I cried. <laughs> Golden I, I cried through the whole Golden Globes. Real, real, let's be honest. <laughs> Chadwick's wife's acceptance speech. Mm. Oh my God. That, like, mm. that was beautiful and just so heartbreaking but yeah mm -hmm. catcher what did you watch so there's one show that i thought i'd let everyone know about i thought was really cool uh emma has a, like a vpn thing so she gets to watch all of her like british content from like iplayer oh God, and yeah. stuff and uh so she introduced me to this show it's called uh behind number nine uh it's it's not like a comedy show. It's like, it's weird. Every episode is a completely different story with different characters, different actors. Uh, sometimes it's a little bit of comedy. Sometimes it's a little bit serious, but basically think of it as like uh, Black Mirror, but mm. no sci-fi. Okay. So uh, it's uh, created by two of these like British uh, comedian actors, and they're the only two reoccurring people in each show. Um, but each episode, again, like I said, is completely different. So one was about a guy who was an understudy for a famous Shakespearean actor. And his ploy to try and, like, uh, become the lead. But the whole episode takes place in the dressing room. Mm. So every time it cuts back, it's like time has gone by. It's someone else's dressing room. They're in that room for a different reason. But it just sort of propels the thing. Another one was an almost entirely silent uh, situation for, like like, 20 minutes two robbers trying to steal a painting in a giant mansion with this rich guy and his life and his wife live. And it's this whole like comedic endeavor of like trying to not get caught and almost getting caught and trying to steal a thing and causing noise, but no one speaks through the whole like 20 minutes. So it's, every episode has got this kind of cool, unique twist. Nice. Uh, and it's really interesting. The acting is incredible and the, the situations are very interesting. So that's very cool. And then I famously do not like black mirror. Yeah. Okay. Oh, no, that's fair. cool. It's I don't like I, love it like everyone else does, but I there are I, episodes that are like really powerful and really interesting. I was just like slim influenced very badly on this. Like <laughs> everyone I know was like, "You you're gonna love Black Mirror. It's like so oh, deep. Wow. Like oh my god, it's just like oh it's like all sci-fi." She realized. I watched the first episode, and it's about some guy like being forced to like fuck a pig I'm like, what the hell is this like what like what what is this what is this nonsense and then like the next episode i watched was like 
someone like this Facebook app that brings like your people back from the dead. I'm like, this is the dumbest piece of S. <laughs> sorry, James. Piece of S oh my God. I've ever seen. And everyone is like, oh, it's like, this is, this is just like too real. I'm like, this is so stupid. Every episode is five hours long. I might, I might make it out of this episode fine. It might be Ian that eats all the hate by the end of this episode. That's yeah, great. Yeah. I, 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 I don't know. It's just, come on. Yeah. No black mirror is a lot. Know. But and, and like everyone I talked to like, well, you just like, haven't seen the right episodes. I'm like, I've seen like six yeah. of them and they're all not interesting to me. <laughs> okay. No, okay. You need to watch like San, San Junipero. That's what everybody says to me. I was literally just about to say, have you seen San Junipero though? <laughs> <laughs> everyone says, watch that one and then watch the, the, some Christmas episode, white Christmas, last Christmas. Uh, I didn't the, like the Christmas episode. That's the one with John Hamm. John Hamm. I think so. Yeah. The John <laughs> yeah. Hamm one. Yeah. Those are the two like everyone tells me to watch, yeah. and at this point, I'm just kind of like, it's cool. Uh, it's it's fine. I might fire sign it up and just hold my ground. Fire sign it. it up. Okay, That's but watch right. Jan Junipero. It's good. <laughs> it's real good. It's like the best okay. episode of television ever. Maybe it'll convert me. So okay. yeah. Uh, okay. I mean, well, I'd say anyway. San Junipero above, like as a stand standalone from Black Mirror. Like it it fits into like just the watch universe. That. Yeah. But okay. it's just like so beautiful. It's so you'll love it. You'll okay. love it. Okay. Or maybe okay. you won't. Okay. And then I'll it'll just be me hosting the show. <laughs> <laughs> My plan is people, working. That's yeah, what the yeah. people want anyway. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Uh, sorry to cut you off, Catcher. No, that's Any, okay. Anything else? Uh, and then screen drafts. I believe this is, is this the show? Is this the show that you sort of, that sort of inspired the, Light crew stuff, or was that a different thing? It was here? not. It did a different show. Okay. Screen, screen, dra screen drafts does that. Screen drafts is the greatest film mm -hmm. podcast besides Cinenauts. Um, <laughs> it's basically they have guests come on the show, and the guests pick a uh, a listing of some kind. So it's a you're, they're creating best of lists. So it mm -hmm. might be best of Stephen King. Uh, best of uh, threequels, best mm. uh, Disney musicals between the year of this year and that year. So very kind of like interesting and like uh, niche specific categories. And they have two guests come on and they create a pool of however many movies they feel like fit in that criteria. And then mm. they go back and forth uh, selecting the best of John Woo movies, that sort of thing. So, nice. and the hosts of the show call it combative cooperation, I think <laughs> is what, and so there, you don't get a prize at the end. There's no nothing. It's just two people fighting it out. So there's two people, uh, they get, there's two sort of selection processes. Like one gets less choices, but the number one pick where the other person gets more choices, uh, but not the number one pick. And then each uh -huh. gets a veto. So at a certain, hmm. like the veto basically removes it from the list at that point, but can always end up higher. So you can, there's all this sort of like strategy going around and they right. try and come up with, yeah, just best of lists. It's huh. addicting as hell. I've never heard of this. I'll, I'll check that out. Screen drafts. Screen drafts. Yeah. Awesome. So that's, yeah. What about you, Ian? What have you been doing? Yeah. For me, I was just catching up on movies I need to watch before awards season. Um, Judas and the Black Messiah is basically the last one on my list, but I, I was able to watch Nomadland, uh, which won Best Drama and Best Director, Chloe Zhao, at the Golden Globes. I loved it. It was really, really good. Um, nice. It's almost like, it's cool because do you know what it's about? 
either of you? She's a nomad, right? So mm-hmm. basically like all like the hipsters who do like hashtag van life. This is like the real <laughs> people who actually do it. Like they're older people who, you know, lost their jobs or various circumstances and they have to live in vans. Um, so it stars uh, Frances McDormand, Queen. And she is basically, she and one other person are the only like actors in the film. Everyone else are actual like nomads. So it's a really interesting like dance between documentary and um, like theatrical. Uh, It's really well shot. It's yeah, it's a really interesting story. Really interesting like insight into that life that like is not like the glamorized Instagram version of like van living. Yeah. Um, Really cool. Yeah. I I really enjoyed it. Um, I think it's going to do well at the Academy Awards too. Uh, and then I watched Emma, um, Andy Taylor-Joy. Oh, nice. Uh, also one for Queen's Gambit. Um, oh. Yeah, I liked it. It was cute. It was fine. I like I like Victorian or like at least I, I like Victorian like rom-com stuff. Like I'm kind of a sucker for it, like Reed Bridgerton. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, it was good. It was fun. Fun watch. Uh, I don't remember the original version with uh, Gwyneth Paltrow, but or the original version of Shakespeare. Um, <laughs> but, oh, no, no. Jane Austen, right? The original is Jane Austen. Uh, yeah, I haven't watched uh, that one, so I don't remember it. But also, Clueless is based off of Emma. Is which it? I thought was interesting. Yeah, oh. Clueless is based off of Emma. Like, there's some characters with the same names and stuff like that. That's awesome. As I was watching, I was like, oh yeah, like obviously that's where all the best Clueless like '90s like cult hits are based on Shakespeare. Yeah, they went or, to well, the source. We already determined that it was not a Shakespeare play, or like you know, based on old like Victorian books, old literature. Old stuff. Yeah. yeah, hashtag yeah. old. Lit. old lit <laughs> old lit but uh anything else anything else anyone wants to catch up on before the uh the trial of catcher <laughs> i'm ready i'm ready let's get into it let's roast all this right <laughs> let's roast all this right. guy so let's get back in our time machines and travel back to 1997 to find a director, Baz Luhrmann, hot off the heels of Strictly Ballroom and Romeo mm. and Juliet. Yeah, yes. uh, he was traveling through India with his team, but they were doing some research for Midsummer's Night Dream uh, when they decided to go watch a, a Bollywood film in theater. Um, and again, Bollywood is the genre of Indian film that's like three hour long mm-hmm. musical romance action movie, like all packed yes. in one. Like they're like completely genre bending. The genre is Bollywood because it just has everything you want. Uh, and he was so inspired by the experience of the film and the audience, like the excitement of the audience in the theater, that he began to noodle around with the idea of pulling off a film uh, that is as extravagant and dramatic and funny and musical mm-hmm. and action-oriented as a Bollywood film, um, but for Western cinema. <clears throat> um, and so while he was there, he sort of pivoted his efforts off of Midsummer's Night's Dream um, to make, again, a, a Bollywood film that was also based off La Boheme, which uh, the musical Rent is also based off of. Yes, um, it is. <laughs> uh, and Orpheus, um, the Greek tragedy, uh, and it went on to become what we now know as Moulin Rouge, which is the third film in his Red Curtain trilogy, um, the previous two being Strictly Ballroom and Romeo and Juliet. They're not like traditional trilogies in that there are no same characters. It's not the same mm-hmm. universe or anything like that, but they are all highly theatrical and about performance. Um, all three of the films. Um, so he and his team then went to Paris and they began to do deep research in the turn of the century Paris because it was like the hub of the Bohemian Revolution, you know, sex, music, art, all that sort of stuff was happening in Paris at the real Moulin Rouge. 
Um, so they did all that to make the film seem like as authentic as possible. Um, and they even included pe- real life people like Toulouse, who is played by John Luguiziamo in the film, <laughs> was a real person uh, at the time in Paris. Um, and they just did all that research to try and capture as much of the energy of the Moulin Rouge and the Bohemian movement um, of the time. However, uh, Baz, the sharp tool that he is, he knew musicals were not popular. They were a dying breed uh, mm-hmm. in film at the time. And he was like, if I want to make this a musical, how am I going to do that to get young people in the audience? And they did that by capturing the MTV generation by having the, uh, <laughs> catch shaking his head, by incorporating uh, pop remake, pop covers, pop versions mm-hmm. uh, of a lot of really popular songs, like A Virgin, Smells Like Teen Spirit. Um, you know, they, uh, they famously used Christina Aguilera, was it Lil' Kim? Yeah. Um, Maya and Pink. On that track. Maya and, Maya and Pink. Pink to do uh, Lady Marmalade to help, you know, tie the film into modern, uh, you know, modern audiences. And then they just top it all off by casting Ewan McGregor hot off, uh, just hot off life all the time. But also <laughs> the Star Wars prequels playing Obi-Wan Kenobi and Nicole Kidman, who was just Nicole Kidman. Uh, the film was released in 2001, went on to win eight Academy Awards, winning two and inspired 2000s musical kids everywhere to remind them that musicals were still cool. Yeah. Um, still cool, forever cool. Still, still cool. Forever Never stops cool. being cool. <laughs> uh, so let's talk about it. I mean, I love this movie so much. It's a little Me bit of too. a cheat that I chose it for my Criterion Edition because I absolutely, I like legitimately do think it should be in there. Yeah. We'll get to that a bit later. Um, but let's just start hot. Catcher, let's let's get going. Yeah, let's go. No. What's Talk on your mind? Humor um, us. We'll humor okay. you. Whatever. I, I was gonna say, please humor me for the next little bit. Okay. Yes. So, I love Romeo and Juliet. Very. I like ever since the first time I saw it. I thought it was great. Um, mm-hmm. And I have many friends that I know uh, who love this movie. And mm-hmm. I watched it for the first time a few years ago and was I did not love it. So I was concerned about going into this, and then I st- I turned it on last night, and I I was so I was so taken aback by the pacing right out the gate. <laughs> I was so confused about what was going on. <laughs> Things were moving at a million miles an hour. Yeah, and I have to say, uh, boom! You mentioned camp, and mm-hmm. Ian, your just once you, you your context essay just opened up so many things in my brain as to what the idea that this was like a Bollywood inspired musical was now I understand finally, like what, like (laughs) so much of what the movie is just like clicked together when you went through that whole thing. Thank goodness for the context. Um, But jokes on you because this movie is everything. I can't, I I was just waiting for it to end. Like, like (laughs) from beginning, uh, from the beginning, and then I got to the end and I was so wowed and so moved and so emotional. And I was just shook by how much of this movie was just like, whatever. And then right at the yeah. end, my heart was like ripped out and I just like so many emotions happened at the end. But my God, like trying to get through this movie at the beginning was <laughs> so hard. And so, this is not a musical thing. Like this is strictly the pacing and the way that they move through this movie, the way characters move through the story 
it's mind-boggling to me the speed in which this movie goes through experiences. Yeah. It's crazy. Okay, so I will I will give you credit. I actually think my least favorite part of this movie is the first ten minutes or so. I really like it. Like I like the Nature Boy opening, but the oh my oh, boom, so sorry. but the but the uh, I like the Nature Boy opening, but the first sequence in the Moulin Rouge where they do like the big mashup of songs, everyone's dancing and they're waiting for Nicole Kidman to come down. That's actually my least favorite part of the movie because I agree with you. It is actually like very like abrasive. That's to watch. the one where they're doing like the move, like it's like it. It's yeah. like they're punching you in the face with the edits <laughs> yeah. and the movement and the songs. Like everything is like yes. smack, 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 smack. And love you're it. just like, love it, love which it. thing are you going to keep it? Like it was like really intense. And I think that's so, part of it. I will say just quickly before you go, movies that open with opening curtains are the best. I love oh my God. The, the visual of opening cur- Super Mario 3. Like yeah. opening curtain thing is so great. I love Especially that. Especially so, with yeah. that dude. How hype was like how... I know that like you guys were saying that the beginning was like a lot to get through, but yeah. that opening when like the curtains are going and like the maestro or whatever is just like yeah. friggin' Blink, hitting it. Like, yeah, yeah. He's like friggin' crumping. Like, I don't even know that like gets my heart rate going. I'm just like, it sets the tone for me. It does. It does. I mean, yeah. I, 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 I do like it, but it is the hardest part to get I through know. because yeah. it's just like, there's so much happening. That's like a Lerman thing. I mean, yeah, I'd totally. say Romeo and Juliet, the pacing is like a little bit, like well, slower, if, if, but you still definitely have those moments. But I went to see The Great Gatsby mm-hmm. for the first time in theaters, and I was late. Like, and me and my girl, we had a bottle of wine at dinner, and we showed up five minutes late <laughs> into that film that takes off just the same as Moulin Rouge. And I was like, I feel like I'm on a roller coaster and I'm going to throw up and die. <laughs> yes, man. That's exactly, <laughs> that's exactly it. It's funny though, because after I finished watching it, I put on Romeo and Juliet right after yeah. and the opening does have very similar vibes. And I was like, maybe I need to sit through Ro- Romeo and Juliet again to yeah. see how I actually feel. Cause I remember loving it, but it was just like, I do remember being punchy, but there's something yeah. about the fact that like it, the rest of it is slow or like it's not as intense, but like everything yeah. about Moulin Rouge at every moment is like <laughs> at 10 or 11, like at all times. Like because he he does like he not only is doing like fast cuts, but like he'll randomly have people walking in fast, like double speed. Yeah. Out of nowhere and all that sort of stuff. So, yeah, if if, if you're not prepared for that or if you don't like it. Yeah. The first 10 minutes of the movie are really rough to get through. <laughs> yeah. But. Yeah. It then goes into Ewan, sweet, sweet Ewan. Sweet, sweet Ewan. Bursting out into your song, which Oof. is one of the most. My gift is my song. And this one's for you. Cathartic moments. Isn't it? Doesn't film. your it's heart just like sink into your stomach like yeah. every single time and you're just like. O-M-F-G. Yeah, because Nicole Kidman is like, oh, like, she yeah. thinks she's, she's like there to have sex with her. Around. She's throwing yeah. herself on the body, you know, and then he's trying to read her his poem, and then he just breaks out into that. Like, oh, are you yeah. kidding? Oh, yes. Okay, I see what you mean. You know, yeah. and yeah, like, yeah. and like, for me, I was just, I remember the first time I watched that, I was like, holy shit. Yeah. Obi-Wan Kenobi's got pipes. <laughs> You're like, okay, I'm listening. Does it so well? Like, he looks like he's just about to, like, burst into, like, a, a million hearts, like, at any point. 
Yeah, he he said Christian is a character. He's never played a character like Christian before because he's never played a character so like in love with being in love. In love, that was yeah. It, was it was a nice way to put it? I mean, he won't stop talking about it. He loves yeah. love so much. Love is everything. He does. Yeah, love is a many splendored thing. Catchers, 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 currently tying a. Uh, he's he's putting a plastic bag over his head for some reason. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not, I'm not sure. <laughs> um, oh my god! Keep going, catcher. Though what what else? What, um, what else? Uh, Okay. Okay. Can I? And then I'll I'll go to boom. We'll take the heat off you. Yes. No. No. That's fine. I just have to say one thing. Yeah. (laughs) Emma turned to me at one point, and it was incredible what she she said. I feel like this could very easily be adapted into a Muppets movie. (laughs) And and I was like, she was like, uh, Miss Piggy would be Nicole Kidman, and uh, Kermit would be Ewan McGregor, and like, and then all of a sudden it cut, and there was like, it's the scene when. It's that scene when they first meet in their in her room in spectacular, spectacular. The amazing sets. Okay, side yeah. note: the sets oh, yeah. in this movie are incredible, 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 incredible. There's not nothing can be said badly about how amazingly interesting and cool the sets are. The giant mm-hmm. elephant that she lives in, essentially her little tower, yeah. is amazing. Also, was real from the real Moulin Rouge. Oh, amazing! They had, they had they had that, and I'm pretty sure it was also a sex room. That's incredible. But, uh, it's no it's it's no longer there, but it's you mean a they, champagne room, man? Yeah, right, champagne room, right? Listen, we're adults here, okay? Um, but there's this scene when they're all like, so all of the his, the, his friends, you know, all the other uh, performers are like hanging, like climbing up, da- the climbing thing. from below, and they're like, <laughs> yeah. John Leguizamo's head is like. Upside down, and and I was like, these could be Muppets. These these very well yeah. could be Muppets, and this could be a Muppet movie. I thought it was hilarious, and so uh, that's all I'll say now. But the ending is incredible. Okay. Um, mm-hmm. I but actually one thing, boom, because I'll maybe we'll use this as a segue. But like you just said, like he's this sort of sad, sappy boy who just loves love, and he he's just got this face, and like for me, it's like that's was grading after a while. It was just like, okay, dude, like you're like grow up a little bit, please. Mm-hmm. And did you not, that does that not grade on you? Through, no, no. It's just like, you love it. <laughs> I, okay. No, no, no. Listen, I yeah. think, cause I'd say this is probably like the first time I've watched this in like maybe four years. Like it's been a minute. Yeah. And there were definitely things this time around that I picked up on. And I was like, don't love this like thematically don't love it if we were to like kind of (laughs) dive a little deeper and like explore certain things or like explore like dynamics and stuff Mm -hmm. but and maybe this makes me a bad person I am going to ignorantly choose to (laughs) or to ignorantly choose to ignore (laughs) yeah yeah like no, I'm with you on that. Him throwing yeah. him throwing the money at her oh. at the end is br- Waste, absolutely man. brutal. Like, yeah. I understand you're mad, but like you very easily could have been caught in that scenario and turned around yes. and walked off stage. And instead, you choose to go out of your way and humiliate her in like the yeah. most defiling way. And I was just like, I don't like you at all. And then, but then no. manages maybe three or four minutes later to absolutely save 
the entire thing. Because you're like, oh, great. he's just sad because he's not getting his way. But you're like, right. oh, all men are like this. Or right. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Have we not been complaining about this yeah. exact band for years now that exactly. we need to like, like take his power from him and now now we have to love him? No, 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 no. I, 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 I That's being overdramatic, Boom. but like. Yeah. <laughs> I agree with Boom that not every movie, and I think this like in general, especially like yeah. when I'm reading like movie critics, I, Catcher maybe has in our, our our Slack group of friends, I have often gone to bat to think that not every movie should have be like under the same microscope as yeah. like every film. Like there, yep. there is a lot, there is a border. Like my example all the time is like, I hate when I read critics, like dissecting kids movies. Cause I'm like, dude, it's not made for you. Like I don't need to yeah. hear, like you don't have to talk about how like you thought the second, is- the second act of, yeah, the SpongeBob movie was like, too meandering and like didn't get you to where you needed <laughs> yeah. to be for the third act. Like no kid thinks that anyway. So who, who do you like, why do you care? Yeah. You know? And like, I think, you know, less so with adult, uh, not adult, yeah. movies, but like movies for adults. Like obviously it's important to have those lenses, Of course. But, you know, this is a, I mean, this was made a little, yeah. you know, 20 so years ago. So there's a little bit, I gave a I always give leeway for that, but just the movie itself, it's not yeah. like trying to, it's a, it's a romance story. It's not a political message. Yeah. No. It's not, you know, so. It definitely exists in the realm of just like movie magic and what that can be right. and what that can mean to people. And I think that nobody's looking at this film and being like, this is the perfect depiction of love between a man and a woman. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. It's absolute. Right. Everything about this film is absolutely ridiculous. And right. it's amazing, you know, and <laughs> like this would never happen. Uh, things don't go down like this, but it is for me, it's the movie magic. And and that's why I love Baz Luhrmann so much. That's why I love Romeo and Juliet and Strictly Ballroom and, and mm-hmm. even Great Gatsby because Gatsby. he Underrated just movie. absolutely. And he, he just like, takes these stories and he just does whatever he wants. He makes the straightest things like gay AF, which is amazing. (laughs) And it's just filled with like camp and just like wonder and like just all this like ridiculous over the top, like spectacular nonsense. And it all works because it's just like, you just go into this experience. It's like nothing I've ever seen before. And you just you just live there for two hours and you're like, this is great. I love this world. I feel like I've drank a thousand coffees and (laughs) (laughs) seeing colors I've never seen before. But this is cool. (laughs) Yeah. What makes it work really well for me is that like the the story isn't particularly unique. Right. Like, yeah, you know, it's the 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 heartbroken artist falls in love with the wrong person. You know, that mm-hmm. story's been told a million times. He even based it on, you know, obviously, like I said, La Boheme and Orpheus. I mean, there's these stories that this, this is based off of in the first place. The angle in which, like, Baz Luhrmann approaches it, like, again, with, like, the music and everything and the set design and the colors and the costumes, like, yeah. you, 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 like you get lost. And totally. I, get, I, don't, I don't get so annoyed or distracted by the fact that I've seen this movie 500 times. 100%. Um, I was just going to say, it's not something that happens very much these days. And I think that like, if you think back to like the beginning of like the movie musical back in the day, how much fun was that? Like meet me in St. Louis and all, uh, and all those things. And there was this certain like raw and pure 
like energy that was going on. Like everything was on a set, but you were still completely like immersed into the experience. And I just think that's gotten a little bit lost because audiences just ask for more and more. And, Mm -hmm. and when people are singing their feelings, it's like hard to kind of like take people there. But I think this does such a good job of like bringing back the movie musical, you know, and like doing it justice. Totally. Uh, let's talk about some of the the musical numbers here. So we talked about you and doing my, uh, doing your song, which is Elton John. Yeah. Um, do any of you have any other favorite, uh, music moments or, or songs sequences in the film? Well, I mean, all of it <laughs> is that, um, can I, can I catch her my answer, please? Yeah, yeah. All of them, yeah. <laughs> like starting the film off with a nature boy is strong. It's a strong mm-hmm. choice. I love that song. Every time I listen to it, I feel like I'm living in some like <laughs> like weird love story. I'm trying to describe it. It's just like it's a very like transcendent song. <laughs> I'm struggling yeah. to to describe how much I love that song. It's really amazing and I think like the th- adding a theatrical element to it really does do it justice. It's a classic. It's amazing. Mm-hmm. Um I also really love the Roxanne medley. Obviously like there's like dark stuff happening at that point, but the dancing and Yeah, how it's like the tango. And just like that song is dope. Roxanne's a dope song and like yeah, mm-hmm. just mixing that with like tango and and doing that, I just, I, it's so hype. It's, it's so hype. <laughs> I, I, I love, uh, we'll close with catcher on this sub section. Obviously I love come what may I like, oh. obviously all, all the pop songs and all the covers yeah. and all this stuff like work really well in the movie. But for me, come what may is just like such a good song. Yeah. Like, both times they use it. Like the first time they use it, obviously it's great. And then the second time it's more sad, but it's all, so like amazing. Good. Like at both times it, it's, it's, fantastic um, so beautiful ewan and nicole their voices just work so well together they really like, do yeah incredible. his voice is like so incredibly amazing it's yeah. just like echoes yeah. and it's just like it's so big and but also so soft <clears throat> and, and just so nice. pure it's like a nice like, it's, just such a, <laughs> it's a very pure voice like they didn't yeah. go like he sounds like a pop singer singing it. He doesn't sound yeah. like a musical theater kind of person, which I think works totally for his character and just like him in general. I know some people might see it as overkill, cough, <coughs> catch a cough, but <laughs> I love how they like just continuously punctuate like these touching moments with the line from your song, like how mm-hmm. wonderful mm-hmm. life is. Now you're in the world and I swear I almost cry like every <laughs> single time because that's such a beautiful song. And do you guys remember the first time you heard that song and you heard that line and you were just like that? I don't know. It's like it's just so stunning. And every all the 30 times that they sing it in the film, I'm just like, yes, I do mean, it again. Catch my- Catch might vomit, but I actually <laughs> honestly like Ewan McGregor's version better than Elton John's. Oh. Like the, the, the way they do it in the musical, it's so good. He has such a good voice. And it's just like, like if, if you went through like my Spotify mm-hmm. plays, like from my life, yeah, you would probably like, I, I would not be surprised if the Ewan McGregor version was played yes. more times than the Elton uh, version. Not that the Elton version is obviously a classic, but good. I just love his version. 
Uh, I feel like us like musical loving kids, we like bear a secret and it's that most of the time we prefer like the musical number (laughs) to the original. (laughs) Like, yeah, I listen to Rock of Ages, (laughs) whatever. Uh, At least that's Tom Cruise. Uh, All right, Catcher, you've been biting your tongue. Okay. Please. So um, first off, Ian, the song that you were talking about, is that the song that's the final song? Yes. Okay, yes. when he then turns around and then they start singing at each other? Yeah. That song's great. I love that. <laughs> yeah, that song incredible. is very good. That performance incredible. is incredible. Um, yeah. I will agree everything about the, his voice. 100% agree. I was At certain points, I was like, is this actually his voice? Because if it yeah. is... This man is too talented to be in acting. Like to he be, should uh, to be alive. Like yeah, 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 yeah. Exactly. Um, that being Ian, said, Ian McGregor, please stop existing. You are too talented too to much. be alive. We can't handle this. <laughs> too much. Um, that being said, you mentioned that. Um, well, as oh. I was watching it, I was like, this was very Shakespearean. Mm-hmm. Uh, as I was watching it, I was like, this very much feels like someone's interpretation of like a Shakespeare play. Like it's obviously not Romeo and Juliet, but it's got the, the sort of pacing of it and the structure of it feels very much inspired by that. So that mm-hmm. made a lot of sense to me. Um, and then you mentioned in your context thing that they thought making modern, remaking modern songs would sort of like make people more interested. And as much as I think that's probably true to a certain extent especially like re- the reasons why you probably connect with this so much when you were watching it but it's like i would so have much preferred like songs written for this mm. like for the story like yeah. embrace that like i there's something about the reason like the, the shakespeareanness of the language in romeo and juliet somehow managed to work in a modern context is because he wields mm-hmm. it so strongly and i just feel like Okay, he's not a songwriter, so that would be hard. But it's like I feel like I would have just loved this film to have its own language, and it's mm-hmm. instead all of these like strangely composed like pop songs. It's just like <laughs> I don't like the Nirvana one is like the worst. It was the, was the worst of all of them. Like oh, and I yeah. just I didn't like I didn't like that one that much. Yeah, either. I just, I can't like so much of it is like look, it's a pop song. Look how I'm singing it weird, and it's mm-hmm. like okay, fine, but like. It's just taking me right out of the story because I'm just like, oh, yes, here's the pop song. But again, it's like I don't that I have no my connection with music is so strange. It's like I have a really deep connection with probably like four artists and the rest of music just sort of flows over me. So like, I'm not even mad that you said that about Elton John. Like I love a handful of Elton John songs, but I don't have like a deep connection with music in that way. And so I think that also has something to do with it. It's just like it's not my language. But it's yeah. like, you know, it's so much about your language. Like when you're like, I remember the first time I heard that song. It's like, I don't know what song you're talking about. And I don't mm-hmm. remember the first time I heard it. And it didn't it didn't cause me to have emotion. So a lot yeah. of it, I, I think, has to do with that. It's just like, okay, I don't connect with the, song, the music of it. And so it's a musical. If you can't find yeah. your way in with that, then it's like it's so hard to sort of like go along for the rest of the ride. Right. I think that's so fair for you. Um, (laughs) but for the rest of the world no 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 no, i I agree i I agree i'm probably in the minority about this so it's fine no no, no, no. i agree with a hundred percent with what you're saying for me i think it's just such an over-the-top love story and we're being fed this fantasy 
but we kind of want to. It's kind of like the same reason you would go see a horror film. And I think especially with like the elephant love medley and things like that and just like mashing together some of what is arguably the greatest love ballads of all time Mm -hmm. and mashing them together in this like ridiculous medley and it shouldn't work. But for me, it does. I eat it up every, every single time. I think it was great. And I think it just creates its own language. And, and, and the reason like we don't, this generation or, you know, or like the time it was coming out, we don't watch stuff like that anymore. Like we don't, is because it is, is because of like the language, the language and how like, you know, ridiculous it is. And I think that like what Baz did by making those choices was kind of just made, made, made it suitable to us and like the way we live our lives and, you know, a little pop culture. Well, I, th- it's, I think it's probably the reason, <laughs> I think it's probably the reason why you love this and don't yeah. understand the, all the Shakespeare in my own private Idaho. Like, yeah, it's exactly sort of, it's sort of the same thing where it's like for me, that was like for you guys, it was like super grinding to come up against Shakespeare in that movie because you're just like, this is so weird and out of place. It's like you're telling yeah. a different story. And for me, 100%. I think I feel like I have the same experience where it's like, mm. oh, I don't really I, I don't care for this. I don't have a deep personal uh, attachment yeah. to the to the music. So you I'm, I'm not seeing how cool totally. it is to have them twisted in this way, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And we all have the I think we all have those things, right? Like. Totally. As much as like this wasn't your movie, like there's something out there that like speaks to you and your the soul fountain. directly, <laughs> and it is Darren Aronofsky's. Yeah, right, exactly. The his, his 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 entire oeuvre or whatever. Yeah, exactly. His his interpretation of time. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, man, um, yeah. let's talk about the ending. Wait, um, can we talk about how beautiful yeah. the movie is? Yes, let's. Yeah, yeah. please catch more because we did talk about the sets, but. Mm-hmm. Almost my criterion moment, and depending on where I go in the order of deciding it, may have to be my criterion moment. But when <laughs> the when the final actual spectacular spectacular play opens, like, and it's boom, it's like huge and gold, and there's a million people, and you just you've ne- they've never shown you the production as it's going to be. They've just shown you them working and rehearsing, and you've never seen the stage. And then all of a sudden it's huge and there's a thousand extras or something. It feels like a thousand extras and like, it's beautiful. And I was just like awestruck. I was like, is this the same movie? Like, is it the, I'm having so much fun right now. Like, this is incredible. Um, so that to me was really interesting. And like, there's the way they sort of move through the city sometimes can be awkward, but I just like the styling of it a bit too. I think that's very mm-hmm. awesome. Do you know what I hate? What I, what, which I, what I think we can fling in, into the fiery sun is the slow-mo. Where's the slow-mo? It works in moments. You Mm. know what I'm talking about. Like when something, it'll just be like someone's like giving a look and then it just like slows down immensely or like something's like sinking in to like the Duke is figuring out what's going on. And they'd (laughs) use that a lot and it like gets like all grainy and weird. And like, I didn't love that so much, but he, yeah, Baz uses like color, obviously, just like a ton to tell the tone of the story, like <clears throat> for the ev- elephant love medley and all that sort of stuff. Mm. It's just like a super bright lights or fireworks going off. Oh my god, yes. You know, the red of the elephant room and all sort of stuff. But then once things like start not working, there's like a lot of blue tones and a lot of it's like the film like gets much darker, not only 
in like story, but also just like mm. visually. And Absolutely. a lot of directors do that, obviously, but he does it to like an extreme uh, in this, which I, I think like adds just like to the the overall like vibe of the movie yes. that, that works for me a lot. For sure. um, and yeah, I agree, Catcher. Like the, the shots when all of a sudden there's like a 200 people there. I mean, it's so cool. Yeah. Like it's just yeah. out of nowhere. There's all these extras, whether they're dancing or or they're just like in the play sequence that they're like putting on at the end of the film. Like it just adds so much like grandeur to like what the show that they're putting on in the film is. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Like I'd go to that show. <laughs> Ooh, totally. I would go to that show. I would go to that show. All the action, <laughs> gun violence. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. Well, the gun violence wasn't part of the show. Okay. Crazy. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> that whole sequence too. With uh, yeah, let's talk about the ending. Toulouse, what's it? Toulouse, 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 hanging up there, like seeing where how stuff is going on and how it's unfolding. Like that's also very Shakespearean. So he sort of mm -hmm. understands now. She's left you and McGregor. She's lied to him, saying I don't want to be with you. They were gonna run away, and uh, she's like, No, I've got to stay. I got to do the performance. Uh, I don't love you anymore. Whatever. Uh, and he comes back, not realizing that him staying has put him in like mortal danger. And uh, he's just mad that Nicole Kidman's left. So he's there for like to get at vengeance. her yeah. vengeance, you know, and uh, Toulouse just like watches this all unfold uh, mm -hmm. in, in such an interesting way. And he's sort of vocalizing the interactions that are going on. And I thought that was so fun. Um, and then it's sort of, is he going to get shot or won't he? And there's this sort of murderer who's going to try and kill you and McGregor. And he just keeps getting stopped at every turn. And it mm -hmm. sort of becomes like this interesting, like comedic thing which is really fun. Um, but yeah. yeah, it felt very old school. Like it felt very like of the time sort of thing too. Like, like a mini film noir, like type moment or like mm -hmm. whodunit, like you said, like murder mystery type thing going on there. Um, but then, and then it just leads to the ending where Nicole Kidman's tuberculi tuberculosis gets the best of her. What did you think of that ending catch? If, if that was the first time you had, you had seen it. Well, it's like you get this huge musical number where he sort of first disses her, throws money on her, tries mm -hmm. to walk off, then gets called back. They have this amazing moment. The crowd is like super into it. Everyone thinks it's part of the act. It's this two people emoting back and forth to each other. And it's incredible that I hated him three seconds ago and absolutely adore him now. And like, <laughs> I've just let that all go. And they embrace and they're in love. And then it sort of feels like they're still on stage for the entire ending, but at certain points mm -hmm. it feels like they're behind the stage and tuberculosis. They're on stage. Yeah. yeah. So then it's like, and then she dies like in his arms and he's crying and you're feeling like shit about it. And then he gives <laughs> out this huge scream and I'm like, whoa, like, okay, that's a, that's from a real place inside somewhere. Um, and, and what's crazy is that the, they tell you all that basically at the beginning of the film. Yeah, that she's dead. Like, like you know she dies, right? right? And, like, I guess yeah. it's just, like, so much happens that you kind of forget about it, but... Well, you're trying to figure out when it's going to happen almost. Yeah. Like, you know it's... Okay, so how soon, how far, what happens, how far do they get, how entangled do they become? And it's, like, mm -hmm. they become the most entangled. Yeah. Like, <laughs> and they become... Like, they really both fall in love. Like, they both allow themselves to have that, and then it's taken from them, and you're just like, my God, okay. And they don't have much time to... No. Make it work. I mean, speaking of Shakespeare, right? I mean, that's very Shakespearean. Yeah, it's like <laughs> like in in narrative that they don't get th their moment is they're singing the song, and then she dies like ten seconds later. Yeah, it's yeah. it's every time it's a heartbreaker. Boom. <laughs> what are your thoughts on the ending? Um, that scene I I love. It's obviously like super emotional and and moving. 
Also, shout outs to the gun. Um, like when the Duke <laughs> loses the gun and then they throw it and it like bounces off of the Eiffel Tower. Yeah, oh, yes. <laughs> yes. Yeah, that was hilarious. I was like, oh, yeah, wow. There it goes. There's like doink. And I was like, wait, what? <laughs> what is happening right now? I love me a tragic ending. And <laughs> as sad as that sounds. Um, and I think it's awesome. I will say I feel like the end like the ending ending where it's just kind of like him finishing the story mm-hmm. and you're like, Oh, cause you kind of like, I feel like I get fool myself every time I watch it. Like I feel like he's going to have some like big revelation or something, but it really just ends. Like, <laughs> you're like, like yes, oh. she's not dead. Or yeah. Something like that. Okay. He hasn't learned like, anything. He's just sad yeah. about it. That's all there is. Yeah. Happens. You think he's going to just be like, okay. And like pick, you know, like put on, like shave his face and like kind of like go up back out into the world, but just nope. like no, that just was over. that was his one love, and it was yeah. taken from him, and he <laughs> you know feels guilty because he, he wasted their time together. <laughs> uh, and he probably went on to he he went on to write Eight Awaits and Heartbreak. That was the sequel. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah exactly. Uh, <laughs> That's awesome. Uh, all right, let a, any other last things before we get to our categories here? No, no. All right, so let's do our uh, criterion moment. So what is the moment that you think would make it eligible for the criterion? If you don't have one, you don't have one. But uh, uh, (laughs) boom, what is yours? I don't know. I actually didn't think about this hard enough. Probably probably elephant love medley when they're like on top of that when they're on top of the elephant and then all of a Mm -hmm. sudden it's like this crazy set with like the Eiffel tower and it's just wild and you're just swept up in, into the fantasy and the smash. I I love the mashups and (laughs) it's just fun and it's beautiful and I, I love it. So, yeah. Yep, that's also mine. So we'll we'll double oh. up on that. I, right. I'll, I'll include the spectacular, spectacular bit right before it too, because that's technically yeah. the same scene. That's that whole thing. Like, it, I yeah, I love it so much. It, it's Are we a great cheating right minutes. now? Are we capturing this? No, whole thing? no, 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 no. The, the whole movie thing. is a Criterion moment. <laughs> <laughs> uh, catcher, what about you? Um, so my my thought was this: the final sync, like this final performance, because. Yeah. I don't under I don't connect with the rest of the movie. So if there was the moment that had to get me in the criterion, like that was it because it was like the first time I like really genuinely like felt 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 something. Mm-hmm. Um, so I would say like that final performance when he finally he's almost walking out and he turns around and then that whole sequence I just think Ugh. is like just emotionally powerful. Pretty is that version of come what may. God, it's beautiful. <sighs> so uh, good. <laughs> Chills, uh, chills. Uh, <laughs> all right, let's get to our uh, our satellite pick. Uh, let's go in reverse order. Catcher, what is your satellite pick? Just watch the Lady Marmalade video. Watch with Christina Aguilera, <laughs> Pink, Maya, and Lil Kim. Like that's what you get. Uh, everything. It's a great like modern interpretation of an older song with like amazing performances. And you don't have to watch like it for two hours. It's like whatever, like three or four hey, minutes. Hey, now. And then you're good. And then you get the whole gist of the situation. <laughs> don't watch burlesque. But oh. watch the but watch don't the watch, live video. Yeah, don't watch burlesque. <laughs> nice. My pick is uh, Across the Universe. 
with a yes, this dude. was going to be my other uh, yeah, yeah yeah Jude Sturges and uh, Evan Rachel Wood it's a love story but all the music is our re imaginations of Beatles songs I love the Beatles uh, we discussed do this you at do great you love length. the Beatles Ian <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we, what we discussed this at great length and I think all like I, almost all the versions of the songs in that movie are cool like yeah they're, great. they're so good. Yeah, yes. they're like stellar reinterpretations of Beatles songs. Like the Let It Be, oh, God. They are how song. you do oh, interpretations. Wow. They are yeah. how you can do interpretations of other songs. Like I think they do that so much better than what obviously like what happens in this movie. Like I just think <laughs> there's like all bangers in that. Yeah, it's, mm-hmm. it's so good. So Across the Universe, lo- love that movie. Um, nice. Boom, what about you? Okay, so believe it or not, I did not pick a musical. Okay, <laughs> so okay. proud of you. Yes, because you're better than I us. know, it was hard because I was just going to be like every musical, obviously. Goodbye. Um, so I picked 500 Days of Summer. Ooh, nice okay. pick. Which good, I actually good. just watched uh, this afternoon. But mm-hmm. yeah, I feel like they're both a cautionary tale of men falling in love with the idea of a woman and then thinking Ooh. they're all the world. <laughs> Woo. I'm yes. just kidding. Yes, no, um, th- yes, but, but, yes. No, but that's also true. That's also true. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Or maybe I feel like it could be like the hopeless, like lovesick look that Ewan McGregor and JGL like both mastered. Because <laughs> JGL's also like bringing it in that movie. He's like, oh, I'm so in love with Zoe I, Chanel. I like Christian so much more than JGL in Five oh, Days of Summer. Though. He's he such is a whiner almost in Five Hundred Days of Summer insufferable especially watching because i watched it today for like the first time in maybe like five years and mm-hmm. i was like oh my god he's awful like i can't believe i'm sure the first time i watched it like i had a giant crush love. on him and yeah. his character <laughs> um but yeah i think they're just both interesting explorations of how people like express romantic love and like what their expectations are and how those don't always align with reality and yeah, and I also love like the experimental touches of Five Hundred Days of Summer. I yeah. I love the scene when he goes to the party and it's the split screen um, oh, yeah. of like what his expectations versus reality are. <laughs> I think that was that was just pretty great. So yeah, I think I think it exists in the same realm as as Moulin Rouge, uh, just like a slowed down more. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> nice. No, that's nice. great. Yeah. Yeah, it's a, it's a great pick. Awesome. All right. So now we have come to it. Do let's go around. We'll vote. Do we think oh. it should be a criterion edition? I'll start. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> Big shocker. I have a yes. Boom. What about you? Absolutely. Catcher. Do, 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 do not do. let us peer pressure you. Yeah. No, I mean, I, I, I've seen Hedwig and the angry itch. So, I know what a musical can make me feel like, and this movie does not make me feel that way. And so that's going to be out of here. Un- unfortunately a no on my part. But it's it, that doesn't mean that there only has to be one musical in the criterion. That just means for me, there could be other musicals. Like it's not a musical hate. It's just this movie in particular didn't mm. touch for me. So. I just think it captures the modern day movie musical perfectly and does a great mm. job. And I think that there's very few movies like it. And I think. Can you deep fake my criteria. voice and just yeah, make I, me sound like just replace <laughs> those words on my voice? That would be great. Yeah, I, I I don't say yes to this just because like I love the movie. I legitimately think. Yeah. Like Boom said it. I think like, it it helped usher in like a new era of 
yeah. it helped like modernize what people think movie yeah. musicals can be. Um, it's got a yeah. culture behind it. It's like, it's a mm-hmm. thing. It, it, it changed people and yeah. Feel free to cut this part off for whatever, but like, do you, what do you think this does? Like for me, it's like Hedwig just does all of the things better and it doesn't feel old. It feels incredibly modern to me. Like what, mm-hmm. like what, what, what does this movie do that you feel like it, it stand like it sits well with that. Like what, how do you see them working in relation to each other in terms of like in modernizing a musical? If we're comparing modern like musicals, most movie musicals are based off of something else. Like right. I'm just looking up really quickly, like Hairspray, Les Mis, Into the Woods. Yeah. Uh, the Producers, uh, Dream Girls. Uh, they're all Miss. in the Heights coming out of Chicago, Sweeney Todd. They're all based off of other like original plays. And this is a very, one of the few original movie musicals. And granted Ooh. they take music from other stuff, obviously. Yeah. yeah. But like as a whole, it is an original musical piece yeah. so for mm-hmm. me i think that like cements its place in like a 100%. hierarchy of like musical movies basically mm-hmm. so that that's my my thing there yeah yeah because so much gets like when you're doing like the stage to film adaptations i think a lot gets lost on the, the mix mm-hmm. like ian you and i both saw what happened to rent <laughs> but <laughs> and, you know so it just does feel very special to just have something that is a musical that is made for for the medium mm-hmm. of film mm. and really just nail it and put it off pull it off and make a highly immersive and exciting experience i think it's great hedvig was awesome but it it's an an, an adaptation and right. it also plays around with like different kind it's in a completely different yeah you know no, i get that game, i get that you know because it's like it's like a dark comedy like life thing right i don't yeah no 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 i understand it's they're completely different genres they just both happen to be musicals like right one yeah. is yeah i get that not get all that. musicals are the same my right guy. i know i know <laughs> i just that i get that i get i yeah <laughs> uh yeah and i think another thing like with movie with musicals that were turned in the movies like musicals are like three hours long they always cut stuff from the Vital stage play stuff. to put it into the film right yeah important stuff sometimes or like um you know like boom said just something's when you're watching it on a stage your mind allows for some mistakes or like i when i'm watching musical i i plot my like yeah my annoyance of plot holes is far less because it is on a stage. But when things yeah. like things happen like that in movie musicals, it's a lot harder to get across. So again, why I think Moulin Rouge works because it was written for, for film for the medium yeah. itself. It's not an adaptation. Yeah. yeah you're I not, get, you're not missing sense. out or like giving excuses for certain things. Like in, I mean, rent, for example, again, at the spoiler, if you haven't seen rent at yeah. the end of rent, uh, you know, a character dies and then they come back to life. <laughs> and right. On stage, that's you're totally like, fine. Oh, yeah. On stage, like, yeah, like, sure, this can happen. But on film, I'm like, this is like so stupid. Like, you're they just, like, just this left. Is so ridiculous. This, this yeah. character just should have been dead, and it would have been like a much stronger right. ending. You have yeah, expectations just, you know, for the medium and like, and, and the way yeah. stories are told. Okay, yeah, right. no, that makes sense. Yeah. Like, imagine if Nicole Kidman just woke up at the end <laughs> of Moulin Rouge. Like, it would be awful. Like, right, you'd be like right. what the hell are we doing here? Right. You know? yeah. Also, yeah. just a funny thing to note because, like, I randomly started listening to the the Moulin Rouge because after the film they turned it into a stage play 
Right. And I, I don't know. Oh. I haven't seen it either, but I like listened to um, like some of this, the cast recording because I love mm-hmm. uh, Aaron Svetz in it. I guess he plays mm-hmm. uh, Christian. Mm-hmm. And they really like did an awful job. I think like I can't speak <laughs> to the sh- I can't speak to the show itself, but the elephant love medley has about 50 more songs mashed oh into God. it. Because I'll they had to extend it, it cuz they had to extend it and not make yeah. it like a hour, you know, 2 hour movie, right? And Amazing. I was like this is just god awful, but yeah, so I guess it works yeah. both ways. So you like <laughs> you like this what was it you like the music like the remake versions of songs better than the originals and yeah the other way around in this case yeah <laughs> listen it's like that meme with the like girl who's looking at all like the uh equations yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> welcome it, it to the life of head. musical fans it, it works this. in our head yeah um well awesome so that was moulin rouge voted in two yes. to one. So, so far, so two, every edition has been two to one, although I've been yeah. the dissenting vote the two other times. Yeah. So will we ever get a perfect score or will we, when will we get our uh, I think declining? we will. And I acknowledge I kind of cheated on this one a little bit. I, I pulled the catcher a little bit, but again, <laughs> this is this is about marketing the show and riding the boom hype, yep. uh, as I Listen, said earlier. so We're doing Baz Luhrmann month. It's all good. Awesome. So we have a couple of voicemails, emails. Um, thank you for sending those in. If you want to send them in, you can send them to synodotspod at gmail.com. Or as we said last week, you can send it to our Instagram, uh, which we got one this week. Let me pull it up. Uh, Erica says, my favorite movie. Uh, and here's <laughs> You Here's did a good Erica. <laughs> okay, one yeah. more time. Hi, Synodots. Uh, This <laughs> is my f- one of my favorite movies, long-standing, since I was 10 years old. For the first time I saw this movie, uh, changed my life. And I went to Paris to see Moulin Rouge, like the this area of Paris where it is. Uh, fulfilled all my dreams there. Um, <laughs> it's just brilliant. Yes, Baz Luhrmann's brilliant. I mean, what else can I say? Amazing. Thank you very much. Thanks, Erica. Thank you very much, Erica. If they ever do a, a remake of this film, Erica should play Satine. Because oh, she did karaoke Satine. at my birthday party and I had no clue she could sing. And she just like belted it out. And I literally stood up and yelled. I was like, bitch. <laughs> <laughs> you can sing. Yeah. If you want to shoot us an email, Erica, for the future or anyone else, you can use a, your voice memo app on your phone and then just email that to us to synodotspod uh, at gmail.com. But Instagram works too. So thank you for that. So let me pull up uh, some of the... I forgot memo. about my joke, my Satine joke, which is I just kept calling her Saltine. That was the whole time. <laughs> I, that's all. <laughs> that's all I, okay. I just you kept calling what? her Saltine. That's You're off the show. <laughs> that's, we, we've Goodbye, had enough sir. of you, you, you sicko. Hi, Synonauts. It's Mel. Um, love your podcast. You guys are cool. <laughs> um, I wanted to call in because um, after watching Romeo and Juliet recently, um, the Boz Lerman one, obviously, um, I loved it so much. And it was the first time I'd ever seen it. Um, and then after Ian said he picked Moulin Rouge, I was like, Oh, I'm going to rewatch Strictly Ballroom. Nice. Um, 
which is a movie that we, my sister and I would rent over uh-huh. and over as kids on VHS. We love it so much. And I rewatched it and it is perfect. <laughs> it's a perfect movie. And I was like losing my mind because I love it so much <laughs> at the end. Um, so yeah, if you haven't seen that, I definitely recommend it. Um, so then I was like, okay, yeah, I'll, I'm going to rewatch Moulin Rouge because I'd seen it when I was a teenager. But, um, yeah, so I was like, all right, I'm going to rewatch it. So I put it on last night and, uh, I'm sorry, yes. Ian, but yes. I couldn't yes. do it. No! Yes. I don't know why. Maybe I was in the wrong room. Yes. But. Oh, Thank no. you, Mel. It was, it's just, maybe it was like too much chaotic yep. energy yep. in me. Um, and also, I'd say don't mind Nicole Kinn or Ian McGregor. So then it not great. It was too much. Chaos is real. Like, Strictly Ballroom is a perfect movie for me, but this was just like too much <laughs> to handle. Anyway. Love the pod. Um, and I'll hope you guys see you there. Thank you, Mel. Oh, thank you, Mel. <laughs> Bless catcher, your heart. Catcher gets redemption. Yeah. Catcher gets some redemption from our different Mel. This is not there about redemption. You know, we all have <laughs> feelings and sometimes they're different and that's okay. That's okay. Thank um, you, Mel, though. That was great. Yeah, thanks, Mel. I, I, I need to rewatch Strictly Ballroom. I have fond memories of watching that as a kid also, but I haven't watched it in years. All right, last email here. This is from... Uh, very good friend and mother of the pod, Francesca. Hello, Synonauts. <laughs> Hope all is well. I just watched Woman in the Dunes and was captivated by this movie, as you all were. For the purpose on this email, I wanted to focus on the woman. At the beginning, I thought she was going to be more of a one-dimensional character, but throughout the movie, she revealed different qualities that changed my mind. Initially, I saw her as a quiet and timid woman who understood her role in the situation. However, she also demonstrated strength, which she was undeniable during the sexual assault where she fought hard and chose to protect herself. She also possessed self-confidence when she stood up to Nikki, even though at times he ridiculed her and didn't support what she was doing, saying or doing. At the same time, she was also she also so showed her vulnerable side. She admitted to Nikki that she was afraid to go to sleep because she woke up and she doesn't and she might be alone again. Uh, as you watch the movie, you might feel sorry for this character or even see her as a victim, but I don't think that's how she sees herself. I actually agree with that. Yeah. Um, uh, she is unapologetic about the choices she makes and she embraces her life and makes the best of it instead of focusing on what could be and maybe there is a lesson in all of us for that. Thank you for nice. introducing this movie to us on your podcast, Francesca. Wise Ooh, words some, as always. Yeah, that was I, some I, great insight. I had thought about the she doesn't see herself as a victim thing like afterwards when I was thinking about the movie more and that's totally spot on. Yeah. I really agree with that. That's like really great insight and I really struggled with her character. I don't know why. And I'm like actually genuinely excited to go back and watch it now that we've kind of discussed it. And I love like what, what Frank has said because I I agree. Like I think that she was like a shock. Like she shocked me. Her character shocked me. So yeah. Yeah. Nice. Um, well, thank you so much. Thank yeah, you thanks. for the voicemails and emails, everyone. Again, synonutspod at gmail.com or at synonuts on Instagram. Um, but now we are at the end of our show. Mm-hmm. And it is Boom's turn, I believe, Hi, to guys. select next week's episode. So the Boom yes. Party. Continues. Uh, hashtag Boom Party continues. Well, I, hope, I hope so. I hope so. 
Um, okay, so I will say that I, I I did this pick all on my own this time. No help from outside forces. Okay. And I decided to choose this film the same way I choose wine at the liquor store. And it's I just pick um, a wine bottle with a label that I like and hope to God it's delicious. Um, and it always <laughs> is because all wine tastes the same to me. Um, I don't have a mature palate. Um, I, <laughs> I eat chicken fingers on a regular basis. Anyways. <laughs> I love chicken fingers. Chicken fingers. Yeah. Chicken fingers. It's They're all the delicious. best ever. Oh okay. So from... Like from the beginning of us doing this podcast, there has been a Criterion cover that comes up in my searches. Like it's on like the Criterion channel page. That's always caught my eye. I'm like, this cover is so cool. And so I'm going with this film based on that. And I clicked on it and I think I've like unlocked a treasure here. So I'm excited. So I have picked, um, 1984 crime thriller, um, first ever film by Z Cohen Brothers, Blood Simple. (laughs) Okay. I've never seen this. I've been like meaning recently to watch it. And this will tick off one of uh, Barry Jenkins' films from that collection. So this is perfect. Oh, I was going to say, yeah, I saw him uh, pick that out because I watched that video. And uh, Frances McDormand's in it as well. Mm. We were talking about her in the show. So I'm very, I'm pretty much going into this blindly, but I am very excited. Hopefully judging this movie by the cover uh, was a good <laughs> thing. I mean, the it's, it's a Coen Brothers debut. I feel like we can't, we can't really go wrong. But yeah, yeah. I've never seen this one and either. This the, is one of the few. Look I at that seen cover. I know. Yeah, it's cool. Awesome. Isn't that like, yeah. uh, like neon? It's not like the type is like neon. Yeah. Yeah. Or the border is. Yeah. Yeah. So cool. Yeah. Nice. So 1984's Blood Simple. Uh, directed by the Coen brothers. I'm sure our friends over at Dune Pod will be excited. Yeah, oh, true. Yeah. This. Uh, and also an unofficial uh, Coen brothers podcast. Uh, <laughs> 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 well, this was fun as always. I'm yes. glad we got to discuss this. I love um, I'll talk to you guys next week and we'll talk to everyone else at the same time, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> See and you soon. Love lift you up where you belong. That's right. Where oh. eagles fly over my <laughs> <laughs> Bye. Bye.